welcome to AIJ Atlanta's Insider. I'm Courtney Maka, your host this month alongside Lucas Alvarez. Lucas and I are members of the AIGA Atlanta in-house committee, and we're always so excited to bring you all connections with inspiring leaders in our community. I work in-house at a commercial real estate company called CBRE as a senior graphic designer. And I work at GNA, a sustainability consultant as a design director, helping companies navigate their way to sustainability. Love that. Today, we are speaking with Andres Prieto. Andres is a senior UX designer for Primerica Financial Services. Andres, Andres joined Primerica in 2017 as part of an initiative to kickstart a brand new UX team. Since then, he's helped grow the company's UX maturity model and establish a UX center of, in, of excellence within the organization. He's responsible for leading the experience for all client-facing products and tools. Before Primerica, Andreas enjoyed working in product development and user-centered design across different digital multimedia agencies and companies, both within and outside the US, such as Univision, Goal.com, and SunTrust. Before we dive in, I'd like to introduce you to the rest of our in-house committee. We are a small but mighty team who look forward to bringing you all the best in-house content that Atlanta has to offer. And if you have any interest in joining us, please reach out to our chair, Lucas. And now I'd like to pass the mic over to Amy Mangan from Robert Half, where she'll share all the latest trends and intel on design in her Market Minute. Awesome. Thank you, Courtney. I'm really excited. It's November. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening in the market. So on the next slide, um, we're going to see that uh, technically speaking, we're out of the two quarter recession that we were in because we showed positive um, uh, GDP growth in Q3, 2.6%. Um, it was a mini two quarter recession that we went down in GDP growth. Um, consecutively in Q1 and Q2, but it apparently is turning around. Um, and just this morning, the September JOLTS jobs report came out. So we don't have the numbers in here, but I can share them with you. There are 10.7 million jobs open in the U.S. in the month of September. 6.1 million people were hired and the quit rates remained incredibly high at 4.1 million people quitting with a, that's a rate of 2.7% of the population. Not only that, but I looked into the layoff numbers specifically, because I think there's still talk of like recessionary market, what's happening, what's going on. We're seeing some posts on LinkedIn and things like that. The layoff numbers were um, steeply lower in September than they were in August. So again, we're still seeing incredibly strong job growth and the job market is still like super hot. So that's what's going on there. Specific to Atlanta, um, in the last month, WPP announced that they're putting uh, an, an office in that MailChimp headquarters um, down in Atlanta. So that's kind of cool if you're looking for a job on the agency side of the world. Um, and on the next slide, we're going to talk a little bit about remote work. Again, this continues to be a, a thread and a chain that we continue to see reporting on and information on. So over 40% of managers say they've lost people due to new uh, return to office requirements. And 88% um, of managers said that they have a tough time finding talent um, when um, they don't have remote work as an option. And basically one in five of those managers said they've actually lost candidates 
um, when they can't offer remote work. Not only that, but about 40% said that they've had um, really strong candidates turn down a job offer when there's no remote or hybrid scenario available to them. Now, why those people applied in the first place and went through the interview process, I don't know. Maybe the company was not forthcoming, but um, make sure that you're putting that in your job posting so people know what they're getting into and you can save both you and the candidate a lot of time to, to know, you know, what people are willing to do. Um, and 50% of professionals are still saying they would look for a new job if told they had to re return to the office full time. Uh, not only that, but some side note research in the yellow box. So this is not specific to marketing and creative to be clear for the Atlanta number. So 40% of Atlantans are still working remotely according to the AJC. Now below this, these two numbers are specific to creative marketing and digital uh, from our Robert Half numbers, um, but also they're national, right? So 96% of our digital skill sets of candidates who are working uh, for our clients are working remotely right now still. And granted, that is for people who are in freelance and contract roles. They're not full-time salaried staff, right? But it's, a, it's an interesting number. And I would say that in a lot of cases does reflect the full-time staff for that team that they're on. Um, and then um, Robert Half uh, remote worker numbers in Q3 for all of the business was 78%. So we're still seeing a high level of remote work um, and we don't really see that changing. And now with like cold flu plus COVID season kind of ramping back up, we're seeing a lot of people being like, ah, see you next year <laughs> kind of deal. So it's interesting to note. Um, on the next slide, we are looking at... Um, year-end hiring needs. So almost 60% of companies are telling us they're going to continue utilizing freelancers at an increased rate over the next two to three months um, to kind of get them over the holiday season and um, not only get the work done, but also cover for the employees who've been, you know, have a ton of CT or PTO time left over and um, need to take that time off. So on average, employees are saying that they're going to take about six days at the end of the year. But I know if you have kids in the school system in Atlanta, I mean, they're off for two and a half weeks. So unless you're kind of shifting them around with various family members, you might also be taking that time. So just looking at your team's paid time off and trying to figure out how you can finagle that. One good way is to bring in a freelancer to kind of use as a stopgap to make sure that they can take that well-deserved time. Um, and then on the next slide is just a little shameless plug. Courtney and I are co-hosting the Let's Talk Turkey second annual Let's Talk Turkey. Um, we're going to be reviewing hiring and compensation trends in this. We're going to go through the entire 2023 Robert Half Salary Guide, um, but in depth. So it's not only about salaries, and we will chat about that, but we're going to talk about so much more what's going on in the market, what companies are offering in terms of perks and benefits, what um, the hybrid work scenario looks like for most people, and uh, also DE&I uh, trends as well. So I'm really excited for that. It's a free webinar, so please sign up. And um, my contact info is on the next slide. If you need any other information you need to catch up with me, feel free to reach out. And with that, I'm going to hand it back to Courtney. Thank you, Amy, and thank you for plugging our Let's Talk Turkey you can, I'll put it in the chat for folks who are here. You can find it on our AIGA website, atlanta.aiga.org. So you can sign up now. It'll be over the lunch hour, just like today. So um, so quick, a different reminder for folks who are tuning in. Uh, we are going to have a short Q&A at the end. So if you have any questions for Andres throughout the 
conversation, put them in the chat box or throw them into the Q&A feature. And Lucas and I will funnel them over to Andres so that we can get your burning questions answered. But now it's time to introduce you to Andres. So Andres, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Um, thanks. thanks, Courtney. So would you start with just describing a little bit about what your current role is at Primerica and a bit about what Primerica is for folks here who don't know? Absolutely. Uh, so I work for Primerica. It's a financial services company. Uh, they're actually the second largest issuer of uh, term life insurance in the United States. Uh, I've been with them now five years and, um, you know, really working um, within the user experience team, we've been able to, you know, stand up a really small but very capable team. Uh, I've been primarily focused for the past, uh, yeah, I, I guess since the beginning, really on the client side. So all the client-facing products, uh, where clients can view their um, insurance policies, if they have investment accounts open with Primerica, they can access them through there, as well as uh, leverage the client portal to connect with their reps. And uh, I mean, Primerica, really what they're about is just helping families like from middle America, uh, become debt free, uh, help them with their investments and make sure they're properly protected through uh, term life insurance. Yeah, when I when I learned what Primerica was, even though it's been here, um, I had no idea. And I just uh, relate so much to like that focus on helping increase folks financial literacy, because I know that it's such a gap in the US. So it's it wonderful that there's a financial company that's dedicated to helping folks actually understand how to manage all of their stuff. I totally agree. I mean, you know, learning about money, that's one of the, like, there's tons of content that uh, uh, Primerica leverages, like the reps leverage to connect with their clients to help just understand the concept of money. Um, you know, it, they don't need to have um, you know, these super high level uh, income levels to actually get started and uh, maybe create an emergency fund for those rainy days or start setting aside some stuff, you know, some money for their kids' education. You know, any head start is is a start. Yeah. And on your so on your team, you said that you work with uh, the products that these clients and these customers are interfacing with. Uh, what's like what's the structure of your team like beyond just you? Are there other UX designers? Yes, and um, UX designers, and we're, you know, interestingly enough, we're headed towards kind of like evolving our roles a little bit, um, moving beyond user experience and like product focused. We're looking to be a little bit more like service design focused or align more with strategy because in the past, I think uh, at Primerica and I think at a lot of companies, the designers are... You know, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this. You guys do the pretty pictures. You you guys make stuff pretty, and I'm all for that. You know, I am a huge visual guy, but as you kind of evolve and you you start falling in love with like with the process, like why are we doing this? Um, what could we learn from uh, not only the product and how our clients are um, interacting with it, but also how. Um, you know, where this product and its process fits in, in the larger picture of, of an organization. So I'm going like from end to end, 
um, just understanding that. And folks on the team, I'm, we're, we're a small team. Uh, we have other UX designers or design strategists as we're kind of like relabeling ourselves. Cool. Um, and uh, we have uh, uh, another lead designer. She's very focused on the rep side of things. We have some folks that are a little bit more on the research side, but you know, I wish we had more. We all wear different hats. Uh, we have, you know, folks that maintain our design system. They're like super tactical and they're, you know, their passion is to put stuff together, create our component library, keep that updated. So as work comes in, we're kind of like ready to, you know, uh, looking at it as an assembly line kind of a, mm -hmm. a, a, a format, you know, how can we be quicker? How can we be swifter with a solid foundation? That's great. I love that. And it's, it sounds like it's a great place to kind of get your hands into a lot of different buckets and you all are continuing to evolve with this shift to strategy. So that's really cool. Um, so kind of going to shift gears before we dig too far into Primerica. And I want to take it back to the beginning, because I always love a good designer origin story. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, so like, how, how did you find your way into graphic design and like this, this whole career field? Well, yes. Um, I've been always um, super interested in in visuals. Uh, as a kid, I was really into uh, comic books, superheroes. I always pester my parents to get me, try to get me those like heavy metal albums with the weird covers because they just look so cool. And they promised, you know, there's like an adventure or a story in there. So, I mean, at that time, I guess, you know, I, I did judge all books by their cover, um, <laughs> whether it was like, you know, music or books. Um, but I was just fascinated with storytelling, like visual storytelling. And I still am. I still collect like graphic novels. I think that's you, as you mature, you, you, you go from comic books to collecting graphic novels. Um, and then from there, it, it was just like a, it was a long road to actually land in graphic design. Um, you know, my whole life I, I've been doodling and sketching, but then when it, when it came time to actually, you know, go to college, instead of going to into graphic design, I went into um, uh, international finances, and um, it was it was a little bit of a a, a, a jolt. There's like maybe I'm not in the right spot. Um, it was a great experience. Um, uh, after that, I took kind of like a year off. I actually. Uh, taught English while this was in Colombia, this was in South America. I taught English to executives at different multinational companies there. Um, one of my favorite uh, groups of students were at uh, General Motors of Colombia. And it was like, uh, you know, all levels of within the company, they just wanted to learn English to kind of like, you know, be able to get that promotion because they could mm -hmm. speak to, you know, international execs from across the board. And so it was it was a great learning experience, um, you know, just teaching and even like facilitating some of these sessions with them. After that, I was like, OK, you, you know what you you need to do. It's like it's graphic design. They, they had a great program. And, you know, I went ahead and, and did that. I graduated. I got my degree uh, in graphic design. Uh, it was like a very manual, uh, you know, a curriculum. I think I was one of the last of the old school before we kind of transitioned into like really going fully digital. Um, funny enough, my my um, my grad project, my thesis was a interactive digital magazine, kind of like with 
pop culture, music, movies, a uh, lot of animation. Um, from there, you know, after college, well, actually during college, during my final year working on my thesis, I got my first job at a marketing agency. Uh, I mean, at the time, CD-ROM was king, so we we did everything. Um, uh, you know, uh, multimedia. We used. I don't know if anyone here remembers, but we had Macromedia Director, and you, that was like a monster. You could just throw everything on top of that, and it would take it. Uh, creating interactive guides, uh, games, uh, presentations for different institutions and companies, uh, with a lot of music, a lot of uh, fanfare. It was it was a a lot of late nights hoping that once the project was done, we were actually like burning those CD-ROMs to kind of issue them out the next day. So it's like, hopefully they all went through okay, you know? So it was a lot of stress, a lot of late nights and early mornings, but it was it was a blast. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I love, you mentioned that in school, you uh, were some of the last of the pre-digital and then you went straight into the digital world, straight into the computers, straight into um, Macromedia, which is, a brand I have not heard of or said in a number of years. <laughs> so that was a throwback. Um, but yeah, that sounds that sounds like such a great, like you got a little bit of both. Um, just like Lucas said, multidisciplinary background right from the start. Uh, so after you did this little uh, multimedia company, like what came next for you in your career? Um, from there, uh, I moved back to the States. Um, I had, my family was growing and I started working with Univision uh, specifically for Univision Online. I worked with their art department and that's what we were called. We weren't even called the design department. We were called the, the art department for Univision Online. And um, that team was comprised of like, we had folks, folks that we were like an agency within an agency within that company um, working on different sales initiatives. You know, some folks worked on that, some of them worked on um in internal like product development i i kind of hopped around a little bit but i i really felt comfortable when i was working alongside our boss at the time uh working on the product development because i i started to get a little bit of a taste of uh a little bit of reasoning behind the design you know mm -hmm. looking at what would the next phase or the next iteration of the portal would look like based on stats, based on activity, um, based on trends, as opposed to just, you know, throwing, uh, you know, very uh, visually engaging uh, land landing pages to, or, you know, for contests, for, you know, what have you, but actually kind of like more on the serious side, you know, because Univision was a, um, uh, you know, a news Primarily, it's a news and media uh, company. Um, how could we get our users engaged? You know, how could we get them the information that they want uh, to get to? Um, you know, efficiently. That's great. Yeah. It as we as I was reflecting on your career, it feels like about this time, like you kind of said, like you were bit by the user experience bug. And you had like that balance of using your left brain and your right brain and making visual decisions based off of concrete data, like really cool career shift for you. And you went and after Univision, you went to another online company and it was one that was very international, goal.com. How was that? Goal.com, 
it was a small crew of us coming out of Univision. That was kind of like our attempt at uh, uh, creating a startup with an already established media company. This was just all soccer 24 seven. Um, I am not the biggest soccer fan unless uh, Colombia plays the World Cup. And unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be playing the next one in Qatar. But uh, but the 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 prospects were just like so interesting because uh, we uh, redesigned the whole website. We had to work with so many different stakeholders across the world. The hours were nuts. Um, the goal.com, they were at the time, the biggest soccer, uh, news agency, uh, at the time. I mean, their website had, I, I think it has like 39 editions and over 20 languages. Wow. And we had to support all that, you know, whether it was rebranding the website for Japan, because the branding, uh, for goal.com at the time was not very engaging to um, readers in Japan. So we had to kind of like revisit what, what would that look like and still be within our standards with these exceptions. Um, you know, designing um, instead of left to right, right to left for, you know, our uh, Arab nations in, uh, you know, in Farsi, that was interesting. That was definitely uh, a struggle, uh, but it was all a great learning experience. And, you know, just so many folks from all over the world and, when we finally, you know, we would connect from time to time um, on these like working, like two or three day working sessions uh, up at our old CEO's uh, HQ, you just learning and, you know, taking some, some time to really appreciate the accomplishments, because that was like a very short amount of time that we all spent uh, bring, uh, working on gold.com, but it's very, very fulfilling. That's so great. Uh, so Univision and Goal.com, like they're both huge brands, like everyone knows Univision. And it seems like they all kind of focus on communities and like building communities. And after Goal.com, it seems like you niche down again into focusing on some brands, like the sweet spot of brands that promote community and helping folks, because next you ended up at Oladoctor.com. And I'd love if you'd share a bit about what that is and what you did there. So Ola Doctor, um, it was basically uh, WebMD in Spanish. So we actually um, uh, synced back up with Univision uh, to become their primary, um, you know, provider as far as like health news, health related news, um, and you know, our our main focus was to just engage Hispanics like with content that would lead them, with just being aware of uh, leading uh, healthier lives. Um, you know, what, what are their, um, uh, what are their diets? What are their, um, you know, daily routines where they're, you know, they could kind of maximize their time instead of just like working or watching TV, you know, how could you creep in some exercise or some movement? Uh, we offered like diet, um, you know, like uh, nutrition plans that were free and open for everyone to use. And we actually created an app for that. Um, as, uh, time moved on with Ola doctor, uh, we started getting into, um, health insurance, you know, how could we get Hispanics, uh, Hispanics within the U S affordable health insurance, um, get them coverage that they could afford as well as, uh, connect with different agencies and, um, pharmacies 
to give them, you know, um, uh, programs that would give them discounts, even if they weren't insured, they could still get access to affordable, you know, uh, medication. That's awesome. Is that, I'm curious, was that an international site or was that specifically U.S.? Since I know, I'm sure, I'm sure it was U.S. Considering that our healthcare and our insurance situation is, it needs a helper to help yes. understand it. It was, it was for U U.S. and territories, but yes. Cool. Um, and I remember when we were chatting, you talked about how you kind of shifted even more focused on like lead generation, which I think is a huge part of like the sales funnel. Um, so it's like you just kept building your toolbox of like how do you use UX? How do you connect with the consumer? How do you like connect all of those dots. Um, yes, yes. I, that's where, you know, I started uh, working a, a, a little bit closer with the data. Um, you know, heat maps were coming out at the time where you could actually track um, where users were engaging with the content, with the website, where the drop-offs were. So kind of go back and like study, okay, what, what did we do here? What could we do here to improve? Where did we lose our, our user? So um, with those prop, you know, with that process, it really just helped, um, you know, become more aware that there's a lot more than just what's, um, you know, the visual side, but actually there's a lot of things behind the scenes that are, you know, how can we connect all these dots? So at the very end, you know, we're both accomplishing our business goals, but also we're getting our users the help that they need, or at least the guidance, or at least just being aware and educated of, um, you know, what we're trying to push through. Mm -hmm. And you kind of explained this, that in these previous roles that you had, that you all, you all were kind of smaller teams. You wore a lot of hats, like over do, getting your hands in all the different pots. Um, but you had a different experience when you took your next role with SunTrust slash Truist slash SunTrust. <laughs> um, so yes. what was, what was it like there? Um, well, SunTrust, my uh, stint at SunTrust was actually very short, and that's actually where I uh, met Amy Mangan uh, at the time. And um, it was a very short stint, but it was like career changing. Um, I mean, the folks that I connected with there, uh, they all had different skill sets. It was, a, it was a much more robust team than I was used to. And it's almost like uh, the team over there, they introduced me like if there was this like locked door that I just wasn't aware of where they had all these tools, they introduced me to design thinking, the design thinking methodology, um, uh, you know, design, facilitating design sprints, you know, getting folks from different departments within an organization to kind of focus on a problem and resolve that together. It seems so, uh, you know, matter of fact and, and obvious, but uh, at the time, I was like, wow, we could actually do this. Um, you know, I met our leader uh, there, our boss at the time there, you know, he became a great mentor and actually a really great friend uh, uh, with me that um, actually led to my um, job, my current job at Primerica. You know, he transitioned on from SunTrust uh, over to Primerica and um, he, he called me, he's like, man, are you interested in standing up um, you know, this team that's going to, you know, really crush it. Uh, and I was like, I'm all for it. So, you know, it's, it, it, it was, it was a great, great experience just bringing over 
um, you know, what I learned there and then, you know, the visual chops that I was bringing and I guess that never ending curiosity that just kind of helps you, you know, maintain that passion, whether it's anything visual or maybe more now it's more like process based or reasoning or data driven. So it's, it's, it's been a real uh, great ride. Yeah. The, the bit that you said about, it seems so obvious, but it really opened a lot of doors for you. I feel like we all relate to that where like you do something a certain way or you figure out your process, but maybe you never put words to it, or maybe you're, you were missing just like one part of the puzzle. And suddenly when you have it all spelled out, you're like, oh, of course, like this is the way to like, maybe it's not perfect every time, but it's the way to get you like 80% there. So that's fantastic that even though you had a short time there before moving on to Primerica, you were, it seems like you were able to build some good processes and like put them into your toolbox to take them to Primerica. Um, I'm interested in chatting about your manager, actually, because you you mentioned that your manager was the reason why you came over to Primerica. Um, like what what was you said you're both great friends, like what what's his leadership style like? Like what really what makes him a great manager? You know, I would say, uh, you know, very hands off. It was very collaborative, but very hands-off, no over the shoulder kind of like, you know, overseeing. It was guys, we have this um, project coming in or uh, we have this issue that we want to tackle, you know, let's, let's, let's brainstorm or you, you, you know, you take this and run with this ball and come back with, you know, uh, a solution. He'd always mentioned, never come to the table with a problem if you don't have a proposed solution for it. So um, just very open, um, uh, you know, as far as like being a little fearless uh, in some of those cases, because as designers, we're like very, uh, I think sometimes we we come with a project where we might be a little bit sensitive or overly protective mm -hmm. and um, and sometimes even afraid to speak up. And he he showed me, you know, it's it's uh, it's good. You know, our voice needs to be heard. Uh, we need to, you know, really stand up for what we believe in as far as like, you know, worrying about the user, I mean, uh, and what those user needs are. So he, he, he shared a lot with me. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful focus. And it feels very UX designer too. I know that he probably did more than just that, but the comment that you said about bringing or his comment about bringing solutions with your problems, like don't come to the business with a complaint and just complain about it, like come with a complaint, but then back it up with some potential avenues to make it something better for everyone. Like that's, that's a, I feel like that's a wonderful way to think about things. Um, so, all right. We're now in Primerica. We're like where you are. You've been there for five years. Um, I would love you talk. You chatted earlier about what Primerica does, but I'm curious, like, what's the culture like there? What are the people that you work with, like? It's uh, Primerica has been again. You know, it's like each um, new team or company that I work with. It's a great learning experience. It never really gets old. I mean, at Primerica, you have folks that have been there um, 20, some 30 plus years, and you have a lot of folks coming in like myself that have been there five years or less. And I sometimes cringe when I hear this because it comes up a lot at the company, but hot, we're really high touch, high tech. And I think it kind of combined, and I think it's true because 
the the folks that have been there for so long, uh, they really have built a sense of um, trust amongst themselves. Um, there's these like special bonds, especially, you know, at, at work. I mean, you're at work more than you are usually with your family. So, I mean, mm -hmm. there are folks that have been there for so long. Um, it's only natural to just, you know, um, create these strong bonds within and they know their their users they know their reps they know their clients and that you could totally sense there is a an authentic uh care mm -hmm. uh, and you know that empathy for those users and they really want to see um all of their users succeed and um you know and really open up those doors but in the past uh the there might have been some silos, maybe not all that feedback or input has been proper, properly channeled or maybe opened up at the level as it could be. And that's where I see kind of like this new blood coming in, um, you know, offering either these new strategies, new process, new methodologies. You know, there's like our voice of client team. They're opening that up using, you know, platforms that are out there to gather feedback where in the past we, you know, they weren't being used. Um, you know, just breaking down those silos where in the past, you know, departments, yes, they were very like product focused on their own little product and not really taking a step back and see how it all fits into the bigger picture. And that's where it goes back a little bit where we're looking to, you know, move from just product, um, product-based design and really looking at it from an end to end. What does that service looks like from, you know, the time, maybe an agent and their, client sits down at a, uh, at a coffee shop and start talking, you know, are, are you in the right place? You know, is maybe that too loud? Should you um, have done that maybe through a Zoom call, especially like through pandemic, we've had to kind of like pivot very quickly mm -hmm. and it's proved very successfully. I mean, so many things have changed within the past two or three years and technology has definitely been a huge, huge um, support in all that. Yeah, that's really cool. I What stood out to me when you said that you've got folks there that have been there for like decades, uh, I feel, and you kind of said they feel authentic. I, I It feels like the brand there, like the heart of the brand stayed true and stays true because you've got those folks who have been there for so long and they have it locked into their brain. Like, this is what Primerica is. This is what it stands for. And so as new folks come in, like it's this established foundation versus maybe a company that has much more turnover and like changing folks. Like you might see that company evolve or stretch or kind of break away from its initial values. But it sounds like Primerica is pretty solid with what it's about and what it cares about. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, so kind of, I mean, it's kind of in the same vein as caring about folks and the community. Uh, while we were chatting earlier this month, you and I uh, kind of landed on the employee resource groups that Primerica has. And I know we both exchanged our stories because like my work also has employee resource groups and they're just such great like internal resources for folks and like such a great thing to a company to have. So I'm curious, like what, if you could share with the rest of us, like what your ERGs are about, what you all get up to outside of work and within work. Oh, uh, ERGs, that is, you know, ever since we opened that up at Primerica, I think it was like earlier this year, like around June or July, um, 
that's been like a new passion. That's kind of like sparked yet another level of uh, interest within the company where, you know, already like we're looking at our process, you know, we're like, you know, very business, but then with the ERG, it was like a whole opportunity to meet different people and connect in a different way. So our ERG, it's for um, uh, Latin Americans uh, at, who work at Primerica. Our name is called Pulso, uh, P-U-L-S-O, and that stands for Pulse, kind of like, you know, uh, keeping a pulse check within our community. And, and that also works a little bit, you know, with our, I guess our, uh, you know, our uh, dancers at heart, although I'm a terrible dancer. <laughs> But, uh, and it stands actually for uh, Primerica uh, Uniting Latinos and Serving Others. And um, since we've started, we've been able to work within um, the company, like already established the partners, like for Hispanic Heritage Month, we paired up with our human resources team to really give a more authentic voice with the communications that were being rolled out. Because in the past, and they even, uh, took on responsibility, nothing bad, but, you know, hey, well, you know, we, what else could we use instead of just the sombrero to kind of like mm -hmm. celebrate the month and like, oh, absolutely. You know, we, we have this, we actually took over the communications, the newsletters, working with them. We, uh, we have a cafe at Primerica HQ and we also work with them creating like, you know, special uh, theme, Latin themed menus uh, throughout the whole month. We actually, created a playlist that they pumped into the Primerica Cafe throughout the whole month. And uh, we actually met with our ERG yesterday. We have our monthly um, meetings and we asked, you know, how, how did that feel coming into work um, and seeing these dishes on the menu and this music where, you know, you'd never hear this music mm -hmm. at, at work. And they were like, it felt surreal. Uh, some of them, you know, uh, true to their heart, they're like, I didn't know whether to eat or to start dancing because it was <laughs> so much fun. But I mean, they all got a kick. And at the same time, you know, other folks that maybe aren't part of the ARG um, spoke to some of them. They were like, you know, this is different. You know, this brings you a little bit more um, uh, different connections. I mean, even some of the songs were great to uh, talking points because I put in a lot of like, uh, popular English songs covered in Spanish oh. so you can hear like Strawberry Fields Forever sung in Spanish by this like rock band and it, it's a totally different take and some people would take a moment oh oh I recognize that song and it's just different ways to see how you know in our differences how we also have a lot of you know um, common interests and there's these connections and I love those connections that's so yeah I love that I I feel like when we just get fed the same thing or in in the workplace and they're just like shaking that up and for some folks it's opening up new perspectives new ways of like listening to the same song but with um like a cover but then on the other side it's folks who are like i'm getting to bring my like real self life self like outside of work into the office in a way that's like celebrated um like I think that's really important when you find a workplace where you can bring like your full self. And so having that environment that was created for Hispanic Heritage Month. And I'm curious if you all have other ERGs that might like take notes and then, you know, different, just having more of that, like mixing. Yes. Of lives. 
we do and yes they have stood up other ergs and you know they're they're laying down their foundation because we're all kind of learning as we move forward we're you know we're trying to get our folks engaged there's a couple of events coming up especially like towards the end of the year like with thanksgiving mm -hmm. we always have a huge hugely successful canathon over primerica so we're looking to our uh, erg um uh, members to really step it up and you know be advocates for that uh initiative uh, for christmas we're all already talking about like within the community about like possibly sponsoring some families mm -hmm. with some gifts and i know that's it's not necessarily anything new at primerica they've they've done that for the longest time but just stepping um stepping up as an erg maybe we can make an even bigger impact i mean um, beyond just connecting and networking within our company with different employees, we do want to make an impact on the community. Um, we've yeah, you all do some stuff with like youth and like after school programs, right? Like that's some of the stuff that you're already doing, uh, connecting with like the future <laughs> of our yes. world. Yes, yes, we've and we're also yes, absolutely. Uh, we've paired up with. Um, uh, these uh, different organizations that are really, really bent on um, getting kids to finish high school, you know, through these after school programs, uh, making sure they're, they're, um, you know, fed if they need any uh, uh, tutors or any help with their homework. Um, we've, uh, we have some events lined up because I mean, time is limited. So a lot of our time is focused on either uh, gathering donations or participating in like 5Ks, um, mm -hmm. but then open it up for anyone who has maybe that special skill set. They can go in and be a tutor, a, a tutor or a mentor. That's amazing. I love that. Um, I feel like we talk about ERGs and everything that you all have planned um, for another hour, but <laughs> I'm going to pull us back into a bit more on the business side, uh, because one of the main things that you you came on and to build this new team on the UX side, and one of the big things that you did was building the center of excellence there. And I'm sure there are a lot of other companies out there that are trying to do the same thing. And so I'm curious, like, what does that look like? Like either the building of it or the results of it and how it's kind of changed your processes, having this like established framework at Primerica. Um, well, it's it's been a real journey. And I think a lot of folks can relate when I say, you know, our team has uh, looked like an uh, like an outside agency to folks within the company. Um, you know, uh, I remember starting at Primerica and we had our first readout from one of our design thinking sessions. And one of the executives kind of like pointed over, like, who are these guys? You know, like, where are they coming from? What company are they with? And like, oh, they're, they're with us. They're, you know, they work for us. Wow. And at the time that felt kind of cool because like, oh, you know, we're bringing something new but uh, after time goes by, you 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 don't want to be that new. You want to be actually be you know um, part of that table where those decisions are made, where um, you know where those initiatives are coming in, where, where they're being prioritized, and just helping facilitate that. You know, helping them connect those dots. So it's been a a, uh, a long process to kind of get there. I think right now we're poised to really be integrated into the more of the business side 
while still being very sensitive to our end users and bringing in all those insights that we're connected to and making everyone aware, not only of those insights, but then how each and every single part of the organization fits in um, with the rest of the company. Because I think, I think I mentioned that earlier, it's like one of the biggest issues that I've seen is like, um, and, and a lot of, you know, the companies is like these silos, like we're mm -hmm. only focused on what we have in front of us. And it's, we just feel like, all right, if I make this product, you know, shiny and, and it works great and it, it's going to be one and done. But if the connectors on either side are not where they're at the right spot where they're supposed to be in, you know, all that work might be for naught because you're not taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture. Well, you know, how does this impact this this part over here and that user's journey? So we're, we're really kind of taking a step back and trying to get a grasp on that bigger picture and also uncovered for the rest of the organization too. So it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, um, a big change across the organization to kind of like, you know, step back and pull together and just yeah. realize that we have to, you know, work together to, uh, really be successful in, you know, um, you know, whatever roadmap we, we, we come up with. Yeah. Um, before you mentioned something about, uh, you said mitigating risk by getting all the stakeholders together from the very beginning, um, like making sure everyone's in every, like all the important decision makers are together, like take them out of all their silos and get them on in the same room so you all can get on the same page. Um, and I remember your manager had a quote. I would love if you shared it about about, you know, taking the time to do that stuff. Oh, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, that was one of the things when we started introducing, you know, our, our whole playbook, uh, whether it's like hosting design sprints and, um, you know, just getting folks from different departments, whether besides the stakeholder, the, pro the stakeholders being comprised of like the product owners, the designers, some of the folks from the data, some of the developers, even our legal team, but just getting all of those folks early on in the process ends up saving us a lot of time. I mean, uh, at the beginning, we got a lot of pushback because they would see these this process of getting together and figuring stuff out as time consuming, like time wasting. But, you know, uh, like you said, it's, uh, we would always say it's, um, you know, it's much more expensive uh, uh, if you don't do things right, um, you know, Courtney, I the, just yeah, I got it. I got it. Don't worry. I, I like wrote this down. Things can take time, but they can take longer when you do it wrong. Yes. Want to get it is. right the first time. Things take time, but they can take longer when you get it wrong or you do yeah. it wrong the first time. So Thanks, Courtney. Thanks that, for that stuck with me. I was like, I need this to be, you know, uplifted during our conversation because it's really, it's a, it's a it's factual. Yeah. Yes, it, it does. Yes. Like, while yes, this, this will take time out of your schedule. It's going to take even longer if we do it wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, all that rework or, um, you know, well, we, we didn't do testing. Uh, we're, we're even calling like these little, um, uh, like add-ons as you call them, uh, confidence level boosters. So if you add user testing, uh, to your project, you add um, maybe some design sprints or some design spikes. 
to really help with the ideation and definition of those proposed solutions. Those are all called uh, confidence level boosters. And we add that it's almost like add-ons to any initiative kind of coming in. And we always recommend you, you know, depending on the size of this initiative, you should have a certain amount of these confidence level boosters to help ensure that your project is going to be successful and, and mitigate that risk of mm -hmm. putting out something that no one is going to use or just totally hit uh, miss the mark. Yeah. Um, okay, we're getting closer to the top of the hour. So I wanted to remind anyone who's listening in or even Lucas, who, if you have any questions for Andres, um, put it in the chat, put it in the Q&A feature. Um, I have one last question for Andres that's kind of like more high level. Um, so if you all think of a question for him or anything that you're curious about. So Andres, I would love if you could share some advice that you have for us on this call? Like any advice that you wish you had when you were younger or anyone who, someone in this room really needs to hear some words of wisdom? Like, what do you have for us? Um, I I would say you know, never stop being curious. Um, it's, it's never wrong to ask questions. Uh, we hesitate, I really hesitate sometimes. Um, and, and then I, and then I end up regretting, you know, why didn't you just ask that question? Probably most folks on a call have the same question you have, but they're just kind of like, you know, scared to sound silly. Mm -hmm. Um, another one really, you know, it's great to get wrapped up in your work, but it's so important to take some time for yourself and step outside of those routines. And, um, you'd be surprised, but just to, by taking on something completely new with a completely different set of folks, um, how much that would actually add back to what you're actually working on. So like, for example, like with the ERG that I'm working on at the company, just meeting with folks and different, having different conversations, you there, there always uh, is a way, uh, the topics we cover there, they always find a way back into what I'm doing. Or maybe I, uh, I joined a running group and just having, you know, some time for yourself to kind of like, uh, release some of that steam and that pressure of the day to day, you know, just finding time for yourself. I think it's just very, very important. I, I relate deeply to that, like stepping away. I think, yeah, some folks from sun up to sundown, they're just in their work and they're just in the same like view viewfinder and they're just see the same things. And sometimes it's so important to just like pull yourself out of that and do something different, which maybe that's listening to different music in your cafe. Maybe that's like you said, going on a running club or taking a walk around a different part of your neighborhood. Uh, I, I feel that. Um, do we have any questions? Do you have a question, Lucas? Hello. Hello, I'm joining in. I've been listening the whole time, chatting in the chat, uh, and you guys have been going, so I'm just letting you go. But I have been thinking about, um, I love the concept of UX, UI, this, that the merger of utilitarian mixed with design and how those things need to be blended. And specifically, you were talking about heat maps. And I was curious about what kind of, platforms you use to get these heat maps or how do you identify where people are clicking? Um, I know in the past when we started using them, um, I know Google Analytics, okay. they have some of those tools on their platform. We're looking to add more currently at, at uh, uh, what the projects we're working on, but like Google Analytics, uh, Qualtrics, 
is another tool that we use to kind of like get some um, um, insights and user feedback. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good. That's great. Yeah, I've used Google Analytics before. Definitely a powerful tool, but there's so many out there. So I was also curious to see uh, about the different ones. And also talking about, I really liked the things take time. It'll take even longer if you do it wrong. I feel like that's just the perfect sentence for design in general. When people just get it done, just get it done, make it look good. It's like, well, it's not just about making it look good and making it look good means it's, it has to be functional for it to be powerful. So I guess the only thing I would say is just, obviously there's crunch times, there's times when things need to be done. So do you guys practice like rapid prototyping? How do you test things to get to that final stage quickly while also, you know, making sure you don't do the wrong thing? Oh, I think it all goes back to, just being really, really clear on expectations when you're working with stakeholders and um, planning that roadmap yeah. for a project. Um, you know, we're still, I think, very focused on development as being the primary focus of uh, sprints, right? Yeah. And yes, the designs need to be three or four sprints ahead. But I mean, that means that whatever we come in, I mean, it's almost like a uh, sprint zero or negative 10, we need to be super ready and we need to be able to um, just add um, user testing as part of that process. I mean, it all depends, but we're not going to go, um, you know, be so inflexible where it's, you know, um, uh, if it's something completely new, absolutely. Uh, there are other ways to go around that. If you could maybe invest some time on um, doing some testing outside of a project, but like using your design system as an example, mm -hmm. um, you know, you could ease, probably find more time there. So that way, when it comes time to actually, um, you know, bring some of those components into a project, all, all of that has already been vetted and approved and tested. So that's like a big time saver. If you have like an established and strong design system, it's just gonna save teams more time in the future. I think that's a really good point. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think Amy has a question. She's come back on camera. We love it. Yeah. And she's going to close more. us off with this question. So I'm excited to know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious I'm, about. I'm rocking the headset. <laughs> so one thing that I think you've done really well in your career, and I think a lot of designers are always asking questions, how can I take my traditional design degree, my traditional design experience and background, and pivot that to more of the UX or the UI space. Do you have any advice to maybe a junior or mid-career person who wants to get more involved in uh, that space as you've been able to do in your career? Absolutely. I, I have to say, um, I lucked out really when connecting with the folks over at SunTrust because it was like my like more formal UX bootcamp, but there are plenty of tools out there that I've seen other folks use and I've, I've used them too. Like IDEO is a great resource. They offer um, you know, a lot of programs. Some of them uh, are actually free that you can participate on your uh, free time. I know Google, they have a UX certification that's also available um, for folks for free. And um I would start maybe, you know, just connecting with folks within the areas that you kind of want to aspire to, um, you know, finding a mentor, especially maybe, you know, 
post-pandemic might be a little harder than before, but I think, you know, like, um, you know, the sessions like what you guys pull together, I like great ways to you know, kind of see what others are out there doing, maybe LinkedIn, um, maybe LinkedIn, I don't even know, they might have a mentorship program or something that they could enable, you know, hey, I'm, I'm open to do Q&As or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. help folks guide them through, you know, maybe your next step in your career. Yeah, we do. Lucas did plug our mentorship program that AIGA hosts. Uh, that'll open in January or awesome. this next month, I think, actually in December um, to start in the new year. Uh, and then we have also we've got our AIGA Buzz Happy Hours, where you don't even have to be a member to join, and you can come and meet folks and see who's who's a designer out there, who's hiring, what's going on, and then yeah. So it is at the hour. We've had a lovely conversation. Andres, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I really love everything that you shared with us and all the things that you all are doing at Primerica. And I'm sure everyone listening in and folks who will listen to the recording later will get a lot out of it. So this is this is our last, it's not our last, we have one next month. We have one at the beginning of December. So be on the lookout for uh, details about that insider and we'll see you all next time so thank you so much guys thank you so much this was fantastic it was a lot of fun thank you mm -hmm.